Good morning, movie friends. Welcome to the Court of Cinema podcast. Last week, Friday, I was able to go and see Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, finally. And I wanted to come on here and give some quick thoughts on the movie. So, in 2018, Sony released, we all know, one of the best animated films of all time, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Giving us not only the best Spider-Man movie of all time, but one of the best animated movies of all time. It went on to win Best Animated Feature Film at the Academy Awards. Could have gone for Best Picture nomination as well. A lot of people wondered, can the sequel live up to this? Can it? And I'm here to say, yes it did. This movie delivers in spades. It's not as good as the first one in my opinion, but it still does live up to the hype. I'll start off with the simplest one that I can, which is the animation. We've heard people talk about the animation for hours on end, and yes, the animation is absolutely beautiful, it's absolutely stunning, it's absolutely breathtaking, it's changing the way we see animation officially, and it's just very, very cool seeing an animation masterpiece. We've never seen anything like it before unfold on screen. I mean, this movie looks like it should have taken over a century to make, but it came out in just a few years. I love all the different universes have their own animation style. I love how... In Gwen's universe, when just having a conversation with someone, it's just a simple shot reverse shot, but they just dramatically change the color of the sequence, so it just invokes the feeling and emotion of this scene as well. Something so simple, I mean, when I was watching that sequence, my brain was like, what am I watching? Because it's just so different, and nothing had ever really been done like it before. There are about six different universes explored in this movie, and they all have their own style of animation in their own different way. I love the India version of Manhattan that has its own style. Spider-Punk, I heard that animation took like three years to complete. And it's very, very cool. Seeing all these different Spider-Men on screen, I mean, it sounds very, very ambitious and convoluted, but every Spider-Man gets their time to shine. They all get their own animation style and their own style. And you can look at any different Spider-Man, you can tell, okay, that's its own Spider-Man. It's not just a copy-paste of this one, which is very cool. The movie also knows when to get dark, when to get serious. I absolutely despise the narrative over at the Academy Awards that animated movies are just for kids. I mean, why does it need to be just bad movies that you turn on for your kid? I mean, this shows that you can really make a very well-written, beautifully choreographed feature film, and it can inspire people of all ages. I mean, we've seen Pixar doing it, Sony Animation Studios is doing it, Guillermo del Toro did it recently with... Pinocchio, we saw DreamWorks did it recently. I mean, this isn't just a genre of filmmaking. It's so much more than that. I mean, Guillermo del Toro said it the best. I mean, this is just a filmmaking style. All the different genres can just fall into this style. It's just, it just really feels like a spit into face to all these workers that are working on this movie, writing for this movie, to just say, oh yeah, this is just for kids. I mean, moving on to characters, the first one was really Miles' story, and this one still continues to be Miles' story. He really becomes his own Spider-Man. I respect him so much more now after watching this. It's very cool, but I think first and foremost, this is Gwen's movie. She's the first shot of this movie and the last shot of this movie, and she is just a very well-written. There's so many cool new characters. They all get their own time to shine. But I think that really brings me to my first gripe, and I'd like how the first movie was just more of Miles' story, and we also had the other Spider-Man, but this one really does, I feel, drive a little bit more into the spectacle, the grandness, and the ambition that is the narrative for this movie, and that does really bring my sword on for it a little bit more. The first act of this movie is pretty slow. It takes its time and really building up the Spider-Verse feeling of this movie, and a lot of people don't really like that. I like that a lot, actually. A lot of people don't like that it takes its time in the beginning and it's more slow. 
I like that it's more slow because it's just really more about Miles and Gwen and their relationship and how they're growing and really filling the shoes that is Spider-Man. That's just maybe just what I want out of a Spider-Man movie, and that's why I have Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 2 so high on my ranking for the Spider-Man movies, but, but still, I respect that it's just taking its time and not just throwing you into this, but it can just really drag for that first half of the movie. Also, villains, I mean, we get Spot, and in the beginning of the movie, Spot's just more of a joke, a villain of the week, and by the end, I love just how he's grown to this very menacing character. I can't wait to see what he does in part two. It's very, very cool. Also, Miguel O'Hara. I mean, that Miguel O'Hara theme, I'll be blasting it when I'm in the gym for a reason. He's such a cool character. Oscar Isaac now, his second role with Marvel. The first one was Moon Knight. He really knocked it out of the park with Moon Knight. And now with Spider-Man 2099, he's really killing it in this role as well. So I can't really wait to see what he offers in part two. I'm so happy to really just see this story finish. That also really brings me to another reason I gave it such a low score. It definitely feels like more of a part one instead of a complete story. I mean, we got Dune, which is a part one. We have Infinity War, which is a part one. Empire Strikes Back, you could say, is the part one to Return of the Jedi, but those still feel like their own movie. I mean, it's left on a major cliffhanger, literally saying to be continued at the very end. That makes it rely on the second one being just as good, if not better, to completely wrap up this story. And by then, maybe I'll be able to give it a five stars instead of a four and a half. But for now, it feels like I've gotten just half of the meal. I haven't gotten the full meal. It's like reading half of a book and then just saying, oh, it's the greatest of all time. No, I wouldn't say it's the greatest of all time just yet. I mean, give me some more time to really think about this one first. And once we get the second one, then we can talk. But for now, it's just a four and a half. I don't think it's bad per se. But I definitely did see a lot of people giving it five stars on Thursday night. And going in on Friday, that really put, I feel like, a lot of pressure on me. It felt like the whole world had seen it before I had seen it as well. So it was an interesting viewing experience for sure. Daniel Pemberton, he delivered a great score in the first movie. In the second movie, he delivers once again. The score is absolutely incredible. I already talked about it a little bit before, but spider-man 2099 theme is really good but every universe and every character has their own theme and they all are just done so well i love how miles has that classic superhero theme we all love gwen has her own theme with the drums in the background which is really cool i mean the score is as much of a character as the characters themselves which is very very cool also much of boomin's album i listened to i think the whole thing i may have a couple songs left but i mean it slaps there's a lot of bangers on that soundtrack which is really cool i love it when composers and artists come together and just put together something so cool transformers 4 age of extinction gets a lot of hate but what i love about that movie imagine dragons steve jablonski michael bay putting together a beautiful soundtrack i mean also brings me to another gripe which i see a lot of people complaining about which is the sound mixing and it is a problem i can really count on one hand how many times the sound mixing really was noticeably not too good it's definitely a problem that should be addressed. There may just be a new version that comes out in theaters that'll really fix those problems, or maybe by the time we get a physical copy or digital copy, we'll, all those problems will be banged out, hopefully. But yeah, overall, this is a great film. I mean, just like with Spider-Man No Way Home and Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, this really dives into the character of Spider-Man and recontextualizes every adaptation of Spider-Man that we've ever gotten, which is very, very cool. I love it when that happens. So it's a four and a half out of five, a strong four and a half out of five. It has its issues. I don't think it's perfect. 
with time it may improve for me by the time we get part two i may just scrub all those problems that i had to the side and give it its five out of five once we get the full story in terms of oscar potential this movie will most definitely cross one billion dollars it will definitely win best animated feature film and i think it has strong chances of getting a best picture nomination potentially and on my spider-man ranking this currently ranks at number two or three on my ranking for spider-man movies that's kind of interchangeable already my top three so you could throw it at number three number four or number two and it's i think that's a pretty good spot in terms of my rankings for the year guardians of the galaxy volume three is still at the top that will not change until maybe oppenheimer spider-verse is a close second and number three is still john wick chapter four the multiverse is still a fairly new concept that's been explored a number of times last year best picture winner everything everywhere all at once we had spider-man no way home went into the spider-verse now we have across the spider-verse once again we'll have beyond the spider-verse next year and this movie is doing it in a way that's pretty meta it's pretty funny and there's still some spots that are kind of convoluted in my opinion just may take time to bang those out in part two but overall it is just still a refreshing story easy to follow that's what i really like about it and with the animation just one more time it's changing the game it's forcing animation to evolve and i think also maybe just filmmaking to evolve as well and through evolution of filmmaking it's all about just small baby steps or you can do what spider-verse is doing and just take a leap of faith into the future all right movie friends that'll wrap up this quick and easy episode for spider-man across the spider-verse let me know what you think is there anything i miss please let me know leave us a review if you're listening on apple Podcasts. If you're on Spotify, you can also leave us a review over there. And the Q&A section is now live. Let me know what you think about the movie, and I'll reply to you. Next week is a pretty big week. We have The Flash. I'll be dropping a review for Man of Steel, Batman vs. Superman, and Zack Snyder's four-hour epic, The Justice League. Until then, you can follow us over on Instagram, Twitter. And until next time, I'm your host, Logan, and I'll see you in the movies.